Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Short Short Bingo episode 19. My name is Nature Come the Third. And on this podcast, what I do is I either read a story by myself or with a guest. And uh, we, I don't know, to go over it. It's like Audible, sort of. So if this is your first time, welcome. If this is your second time, the retention program is working. We are back and in full effect, ladies and gentlemen, ready for the holidays. Christmas is upon us. I hope that your shopping is done. This is being released on December 22nd. Therefore, December 23rd, I will be doing my Christmas shopper watching. If you have not done this, I highly recommend it. It is a fun time to watch those that are in the hustle and bustle. Uh, I don't know. I mean, my Instagram story is going to be lit the fuck up, so I know I'm going to be having a good time. Nonetheless, though, I want to talk about uh, who, which countries right now are holding the lead um, in the short story bingo uh, download ography. Uh, in world beyond Utah, or excuse me, and beyond the United States, because we always gotta. I mean, obviously, the United States has the top rank there, but the, uh, the three bottom um, beneath that are the Russian Federation, the United Kingdom, and India. So, shouts, uh, thanks for looking. Uh, in the United States, we have a little bitch, a little bit of a shakeup ever since the last episode, which my wife did a wonderful job on. So, thank you, Mandy. She's definitely gonna be coming back. We got great response from it. Um, but California, Wyoming, and Texas. Texas rounding out the top three beyond Utah. Obviously, Utah has the most downloads. But yeah, I mean, you know, what do you ask for? Shit. We're just, uh, you know, trying to live and learn here and um, show all some th- shit while we're uh, reading. So last week, we uh, read a scary story which uh, by Richard Marsh, a psychological experiment. Which, by my own estimation, was, uh, I mean, it was written in 1900, and so I didn't really have too much to expect, but I always go into anything like that, so I was taken, I was super happy about that. I was super happy how well that that came about. Yeah, huge ups on that one. Having said that, the Twitter, uh, excuse me, we got to get into the random Twitter follower shout out, and today we have at... Il Av. Illy Av is how he goes by. I just uh, hosted a show with him uh, on the bill on this past Tuesday over at the Metro Music Hall. Shouts out to Shaw team uh, for putting that on. But uh, you can uh, follow Illy Av uh, at I L L I E A V E E. Again, at I L L I E A V V. Or just A V E E. But yeah, man, shouts out to you. Um, so. I just wanted to say, uh, again, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, uh, yeah, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, uh, Feliz Dia, uh, because it's just a regular day too, so Happy Monday to you on Monday when it comes around. Um, so yeah, I hope that's all going well. I know that my shopping is done, but like I said, I'm going to go Christmas shopper watching this week or this weekend, this Saturday, so I'm pretty stoked about that. But if you haven't got your Christmas shopping done... Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, you definitely are going to be hitting, you know, the pavement with this one. You you got to absolutely get your shit in. But anyhow, today we're going to go back to that mob encyclopedia. I'm going to read actually about Frank Sinatra, the one and only Frank Sinatra, and some of his ties that he had with the mob. And uh, it should should be an interesting one. I remember reading um, about young Frank Sinatra and another. Um, uh, autobiography and 
he was, uh, you know, essentially fostered by mobsters. And so this should be a pretty good one. I'm pretty excited about it. And, you know, if you're feeling froggy, uh, you know, listen to this with uh, Frank Sinatra's Christmas in the background. But before we um, get into that, of course, we got to do the intro song, short story bingo, episode 19. Yeah. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. Sinatra and the Mob. It's an old and long, long story and perhaps less significant than one might think. Some feel there is much to be made of it. Sinatra himself felt too much was made of it. He was in showbiz, he said, and there's no way to avoid gangsters all of the time. Still, it's closer to the truth to say that Sinatra went out of his way to be with them to avoid them. He flew to Havana in 1946 to attend a big underworld bash for Lucky Luciano. Which, you know, is fucking regular, uh, I feel like. Especially if you have enough money, you're just essentially hiring entertainment. You know, I'm sure that big wigs hire Jay-Z for crazy shit, or Rihanna, or Beyonce, or all that. Yeah, insert name here. So it's not, this isn't super crazy yet because again, Frank Sinatra is an entertainer. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying, but Nate, it's Frank Sinatra and we all know that he was the mob's favorite singer. Okay. I get that. Let's give him a little, let's give him a little wiggle room here when, when he said that, uh, that people made too much of it. Because he had a, he was running his own business, you know. He's a, a musician, so he's trying to get his own fans on board with what he's doing. If he was connected to the mob, that would be fucked. This is the same reason why, like Rocky Marciano, uh, rejected the mob uh, vehemently. Uh, you know, if you don't remember, Rocky Marciano went forty nine and zero as a heavyweight boxer, and uh, was absolutely Italian, and was. And we'll probably do a short story being all about Lucky, or excuse me, about uh, Rocky Marciano. But anyway, Rocky Marciano definitely rebuked uh, any notion that he was affiliated with the mafia. And uh, obviously, it seems like Frank Sinatra, at least for the public eye, wants to do the same. He flew to Havana in 1946 to attend a big underworld uh, bash for Lucky Luciano who had only months before been deported back to Italy after being paroled from his organized prostitution conviction. Oh, okay, so this story's getting a little better. (laughs) Later, when Luciano was away from his home in Naples, Italian police found a gold cigarette case with the inscription, To my dear pal Lucky, from his friend Frank Sinatra. During the Cavalver investigation... Sinatra was questioned in advance by committee counsel Joseph L. Nellis to determine if he should be called to testify. At a 4 a.m. meeting held in an office atop Rockefeller Center, Sinatra was asked about mobsters he knew. And he acknowledged knowing or seeing or saying hello and goodbye to an impressive but possibly incomplete list of them. 
Lud- Lucky Luciano, the brothers Fischetti, Joe, Rocco, and Charles, cousins of Al Capone, and powers in the Chicago outfit, Meyer Lansky, Frank Costello, Joe Adonis, Longies Willman, Willie Moretti. Jer- so at that point, I'm like, oh, so do you not know these guys? Or it sounds like you know a lot of these guys. I just uh, I just play for them, you know. I just I just bring my piano player and we we play for them, you know. It's entertainment. My name is Frankie Baby. Yeah, I know, but you're saying like everyone, so it's just I'm just curious how much you really know. Well, I don't know. I just know what I know. That's a terrible Frank Sinatra impression, by the way. Meyer Lansky, Frank Costello, Joe Adonis, Longy Zwillman, Willie Moretti, Jerry Catena, and Bugsy Siegel. Ultimately, ultimately, the Cafalver Committee did not call Sinatra. With Sinatra's career then in decline, the committee felt no real purpose would be served by lambasting him in public and perhaps finishing off his career. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, nah, he's, he's pretty fucked up already, uh. I don't know. We could probably lay off him on this one. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, you're fucking right. You know what? When you're fucking right, you're right. Right now, you're fucking right. Implicit in that decision was the fact that Sinatra, even if the senators didn't know it at the time, was little more than a mafia groupie. And that's the, that's what I felt, too. I was like, mm, I don't feel like... Joe E. Lewis and Jimmy Durante would qualify just as readily. After the hearings... Sinatra's career revitalized and he continued to be linked with mafiosi but it would be hard to tell whether Sinatra was more entranced with mobsters or they with him for sure them with him I would I feel like it was hand in hand I think that they both entranced each other to the point of wanting to be in each other's company so much maybe both addicted to the power that the other holds maybe um yeah I think that was a two-way street for sure Each at various times may have gained something from the other. Ralph Salerno, a specialist on organized crime formerly with the New York Police Department, quoted by Nicolas Cage in The Mafia is Not an Equal Opportunity Employer, was upset that people, knowing Sinatra was an acquaintance of presidents and kings, would figure his other pals were okay. Quote, That's the service Sinatra renders his gangster friends, says Salerno. You'd think a guy like Sinatra would care about that. But he doesn't. He doesn't give a damn. Actually, the mob was able to use Sinatra and his PR clout many times. When Dog Stature, Meyer Lansky's close associate, was building the Sands in Las Vegas, he told interviewers years later, We uh, sold Frank Sinatra a 9% stake in the hotel. Frank was flattered to be invited, but the object was to get him in to perform there. Because there's no bigger draw in Las Vegas. When Frankie was performing, the hotel really filled up. Sinatra's first gangster friend appears to have been Willie Moretti, the New Jersey extortionist, narcotics trafficker, and murderer. Moretti, also known as Willie Moore, took a liking to the young fellow New Jerseyan and helped him get some uh, band-aids when he... Hold on. <laughs> that sounds like band-aids. It's a, those are two words maybe that don't go together so fucking well. I might start getting an accent as I keep reading this shit. All right. Moretti, also known as Willie Moore, took a liking to the young fellow New Jerseyan 
and helped him get some band dates when he was struggling in local clubs and roadhouses for peanuts. Just literally for peanuts. We'll take we'll take uh we'll take cashews and we'll take uh, we'll take almonds. Real good almonds too. Just as long as they uh, they're raw. I don't really like a lot of salt on my almonds. Uh, Mrs. Sinatra, we actually pay in fucking money. Is that all right? It's just not a lot, which is why they say peanuts, sir. I just I hope that you didn't under- take that too literally. Oh. Well, I love peanuts, too. Did you say penis or peanuts? Anyway. <laughs> then Sinatra recorded his first hit song with Harry James in 1939. All or nothing at all and eventually went to work for Tommy Dorsey for what seemed uh for what seemed an astronomical salary of $125 a week a myth built up after Sinatra and Dorsey had parted that they may uh, that they uh, excuse me a myth built up after Sinatra and Dorsey had parted that they remained warm friends hot enemies would have been a better description Sinatra's popularity had soared Bobby, so- uh, Bobby Soxers followed him everywhere. He desperately wanted to dump Dorsey. And the underworld story has long circulated that Willie Moretti came to the rescue. Moretti was said to have obtained Sinatra's release from the band leader in convincing mafia style, jamming a gun in Dorsey's throat. Yeah, I'd say that's fucking mafia style. Just take off your fucking clothes. No, no, no. get off the couch. Get off the couch. No, it's going to be all right. No, we're going to keep your shoes on. Those are nice shoes, by the way. Nice wingtips. No, no, not not on your knees. On your knees. Now, just, uh, have you ever held a gun before? (laughs) I haven't held a gun before in my my life. Oh, okay. Open your mouth real quick for me. (laughs) Open your mouth for me real quick. (laughs) he desperately wanted to dump Dorsey and the underworld story is long circulated that Willie Moretti came to the rescue Moretti was said to have obtained Sinatra's release from the band leader in convincing mafia style jamming a gun in Dorsey's mouth the hard bargaining not really that hard that followed called for Dorsey to get $1 in compensation for selling him Sinatra's contract just snowballed damn not that Moretti didn't also chastise the singer at times when Sinatra's marriage to his first wife, Nancy, was busting up and he was planning to marry Ava Gardner, the mobster, the mobster wired Sinatra. Quote, I am uh, very much surprised what I've been reading in the newspapers between you and your darling wife. Remember, you have a decent wife and children. You should be very happy. Regards all. Willie Moore, end quote. As it turned out, Sinatra had little more time in which to offend Moretti. The mafioso was executed by the mob. Damn. He is, his advanced syphilis, <laughs> perfect, affected his brain, and it was feared he was revealing too much about mafia operations. In later years, Sinatra was frequently linked with a number of other top mafiosi, especially Sam Giancana and Johnny Roselli the Chicago mob honchos. 
Sinatra was embarrassed with a news photograph showing him with an arm around Luciano at the time of the infamous Havana gathering. That's a big thing. Like the Havana gathering was a big thing. I won't go into it now because I'll save that for a short story. But um, if you have a moment, go ahead and Google after this Havana gathering. It was just, it was a big deal. In more recent years, another widely published photograph taken in Sinatra's dressing room at the Westchester, New York, premiere, the uh, premiere theater shows the star grinning widely in the company of such mafiosi as the late Carlo Gambino, hitman, uh, uh, hitman, oh yeah, sorry, okay, um, mafiosi, shit, come on, in the company of such mafiosi as the late Carlo Gambino, hitman come former Jimmy the Weasel Fratiano and three others later convicted convicted and sentenced for fraud and skimming the theater's box office skimming the theater's box office I mean how much money are you really getting I mean I guess theaters at that time were booming hmm. I suppose that makes sense I mean skim where you can they didn't have like red box and shit so everyone was going to theaters i mean i re- actually i take that back i'm making that sound like way too theaters were still dope in like 95 theaters were still dope like in 2000 in 1985 cartoonist gary trudeau depicted a tribute to sinatra by president ronald reagan and followed it uh followed it in the next panel with the westchester theater photo Outraged, Sinatra issued a statement through his personal public relations firm. Quote, Gary Trudeau makes his living by his attempts at humor without regard to fairness or decency. I don't know if he has made any effort on behalf of others or done anything to help the less fortunate in this country or elsewhere. I am happy to have the president and the people of the United States judge us by our respective track records. End quote. I'm really trying to nail the Sinatra fucking impression, guys. I know. Over the years, Sinatra was as thick with the presidents and presidential candidates as with mafiosi. He had close ties with John Kennedy until barred from the White House by Robert Kennedy after he checked Sinatra's background. Oh, my God. I can see him talking to, like, John F. Kennedy, like his brother. Hey, John. John. Do you know what Frank Sinatra is doing and the people that he's hanging out with? Well, I didn't know that, Robert. I didn't know that at all. <laughs> yes, you did. Hubert Humphrey, Hubert, excuse me, Hubert Humphrey, who scheduled him for a series of fundraising concerts, but quietly dropped him from the campaign in 1968 after a Wall Street Journal piece listed some of his underworld relationships. Richard Nixon, Spiro Agnew, Gerald Ford, and of course, President Reagan. These were all, those were all people that he had types with. Jimmy the Weasel, after he turned informer, fucking snitch, was apparently quite upset when the federal strike force didn't go ahead with a case that had what he clearly regarded as Sinatra star quality. According to uh, Fradiano, Sinatra, gopher, Jilly Rizzo approached him and complained about a former Sinatra security guard the singer had fired. He was supposedly uh, supplying the weekly tabloids with material about Sinatra. 
The word was that the man, Andy Banjo Celentano, was about to write a book about Sinatra. The weasel quoted Rizzo as saying, we want this guy stopped once and for all. Meaning that Celentano should have his legs broken and be put in the hospital. Let's see if he gets the message. <laughs> as soon as you get the le- your legs, but one leg broken. Yeah, I got the message, bro. You pushing me to so hard that my leg almost breaks. I think I got the message. Fradiano uh, accepted the assignment to watch Celentano. A lot of anos and enos and fucking. But neither he nor other, uh, but neither he nor other California mafiosi could locate their target. Celentano solved their problem altogether by suffering a fatal heart attack on October eighth, nineteen seventy-seven. Clearly, the weasel saw a delightful show trial in his revelations, and was disappointed when the federal strike force showed little interest in the matter. There was no evidence tying in Sinatra. And certainly federal lawyers weren't wild about pursuing Jilly Rizzo. Not when, as one told Fradiano, you got a chance to put your bosses in prison. Those are one-in-a-lifetime chances. With an informant-type witness, overexposure is a terminal disease. Which is fucking so true. As soon as you... I mean, you're just... You're already, like, playing with fire, like, by... By snitching. I mean, it's, you know, it's the underground code, you know, don't fucking snitch, you know. And especially being in the mob, that's like, or even being affiliated with it. Yeah. Terminal. Yo, B, you're fucking, it's a wrap. Politely, the government was telling Fradiano that there was no legal case and they were not going to let him grab headlines for scandal purposes. Because they were over that. The mob was taking over headlines, like left and right, like in newspapers. And it was getting much. I mean, I feel like even for the general public, that's a little too much to over, um, you know, put put a lot of journalistic effort into a, f- a headline and a front line that features a a mob boss, especially like Al Capone saw a lot of good headlines and stuff like that. Yeah. Politely, the government was telling Fradiano that there was no legal case and they were not going to let him grab headlines for scandal purposes. Unlike with cartoonist Trudeau, Sinatra expressed no outrage when deadly hitman Fradiano recounted the details of the alleged incident in this book, The Last Mafioso. Or in his book, excuse me. So, that's it for the, the today. Kind of made it a small one. No big deal, though. I mean, sometimes they're like that, you know. But uh, we're, we'll read about the Rat Pack as well, um, just because it's so... Not right now, but um, it's important to uh, get a better idea. And when, you know, when we do, you'll get a, a little bit closer eye at um, some of that lifestyle that uh, some of those entertainers were re- actually living, you know. And still kind of tiptoeing around stuff. Short Story Bingo Episode 19 read on young Frank Sinatra and turning into older Frank Sinatra and his ties with the mob. We read out of the Mafia Encyclopedia, which was put together by Carl Safakis. Uh, I also read uh, Al Capone, uh, which was a couple stories ago as well. Um, Nonetheless, though, I think that 
Frank Sinatra absolutely had a lot more ties with the the mafia than he let on, which is totally fine. Um, he made count. He made timeless music, and honestly, uh, I don't know that he killed anyone. So. Um, at least that commandment wasn't broken. I know that he did some other funky shit uh, with, um, you know, previous, uh, whatever, his relations. I know that uh, Frank Sinatra wasn't that awesome of a fellow, which is weird. Uh, to some degree that, um, you know, he's played, uh, like, so prominently, especially during this time of the year uh, with his Christmas specials that he put on. But... Whatever, I suppose, right? There wasn't uh, as much... There wasn't fucking Twitter uh, when Frank Sinatra was around, so he was able to make it out and remain timeless. So, yeah, Short Story Bingo, episode 19. My name is Nate Chacon the Third, and I hope that you have a merry holiday. I would only say Christmas, but I know you're celebrating some other shit. <laughs> Oh yeah. Short story bingo, episode nineteen. Please let your friends know. Share, subscribe on iTunes. Uh please subscribe as well. Please also give a rating. I just got a iPhone from my man Keith. Shout out Keith McDonald, yo. Um uh, thanks for the iPhone six. I feel like I'm in two thousand fourteen again, bro bro. At least it's a, a fucking step up from the Galaxy S three. But um nonetheless, short story bingo, episode nineteen. Nate Chacon the third. And we are out. Oh, wait. Before we're out, I'm going to play some Frank Sinatra at the end of this. I'm going to do it. A Christmas song. I don't know which one. I'm going to pick, but fuck it. Right? It's tis the season. So, happy holidays, y'all. Episode 19. And I'm out. Spare fingers. Yes. Outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight. How I'll hate going out in the storm But if you'll really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm The fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbying As long as you love me so Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Doesn't care if it's in below He's sitting by the fire Outside is frightful, but that fire is mm, delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought lots of corn 
were popping. The lights are way down low. So let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally say goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you'll only hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye. Long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow. 